The Hamlet Podcast, episode 133. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. Just at the point we stopped last time, there's a commotion outside the door. Claudius had been calmly talking to Laertes and at the moment when we might start to think it's working, this noise within is heard. Someone else is trying to come into the room. Someone says, let her come in. It has been given to Laertes on occasion, but also to the various Danes of his cohort outside. Check your edition and see who they give it to. Certainly it is Laertes who speaks next, and he asks, How now? What noise is that? For this alone, I think it's simpler to give the let her come in line to the other folks outside, if, of course, a given production has actually hired them. It's probably only Laertes who can't quite guess who this her might be, But of course, it's Ophelia. She enters, and Laertes' reaction is quite heartbreaking. Oh, heat, dry up my brains. Tears seven times salt burn out the sense and virtue of mine eye. By heaven, thy madness shall be paid by weight, till our scale turn the beam. Oh, rose of May. Dear maid, kind sister, sweet Ophelia. Oh, heavens, is it possible a young maid's wits should be as mortal as an old man's life? Nature is fine in love, and where it is fine, it sends some precious instance of itself after the thing it loves. The standard thinking was that the brain was cold and wet, and so exposure to heat would dry it up. Laertes wishes for this, wishes that he wasn't seeing or understanding the sight of Ophelia in her current state. Heat dry up my brains, or tears that are too salty burn out my eyes so that they can no longer have their sense or virtue, or in our terms, their capacity for seeing or understanding. Laertes decides just from looking at Ophelia that she is mad. As if he wasn't already geared up and ready to exact revenge for his father's death, this addition of insult to injury sends him back to the edge. And indeed, in the first quarter of the play, he has a line that suggests he doesn't even recognise who she is. By heaven, he says, thy madness shall be paid in weight, till our scale turn the beam. There will be payback for this too. Ophelia's madness will be added to the scale, and Laertes will not be satisfied until revenge and payback turn the beam back towards balance, and he receives satisfaction for it all. For particularly observant listeners, there's a nod here back to Ophelia's lines after Hamlet storms off having told her to head for the nunnery. She lamented there, Oh, what a noble mind is here o'erthrown, and called Hamlet the expectancy and rose of the fair state. Now it is her mind that is overthrown. Hamlet's was a performance. Her madness is real. And she is a rose of May to her brother's eyes. The word rose only appears in these two instances in the play. Flowers and plants will be particularly important for Ophelia for the rest of her time on stage. Laertes now tries to address her directly. Dear maid, kind sister, sweet Ophelia. It seems that he gets no response from her. She is sufficiently divided from her wits that she doesn't reply. Or maybe she doesn't even hear him at all or she's too broken to reply directly. Laertes continues, realising that this breakdown is surely the result of their father's death. 
Oh heavens, he says, is't possible a young maid's wits should be as mortal as an old man's life? He wonders if it can really be true that this young maid's wits only lasted as long as their father was alive. It's a nice antithesis between the two lines, the young maid's wits and the old man's life. In the newest Arden edition, the line reads as a poor man's life, rather than an old man's, but I think the folio word, old, is clearer and ensures that we really do know that he means Polonius. What follows is a set of lines that only appear in the folio. Several editors caught it on the basis that they like the thought that the wise scribes of the second quarto felt it was more than necessary. Laertes makes a complicated point about how love and nature operate. Nature is fine in love, and where it is fine, it sends some precious instance of itself after the thing it loves. The best explanation I've read for these lines comes from an earlier Arden edition by Harold Jenkins. He writes, Human nature, when in love, is exquisitely sensitive, and being so, it sends a precious part of itself as a token to follow the object of its love. Thus, the fineness of Ophelia's love is demonstrated when, after the loved one has gone, her mind goes too. It's entirely possible that Laertes means to be ambiguous here, whether he wants to acknowledge that Ophelia dearly loved their father and cannot cope with his death, or that she's also suffering because of Hamlet's departure from her life. We don't really know how much he knows just yet. Has Ophelia written to him about all that has been going on in her life? And how long has passed since he went back to Paris? As we ponder these ambiguities, Ophelia has another song. They bore him barefaced on the bier, hey non nonny, nonny hey nonny, and in his grave rained many a tear. Fare you well, my dove. This little scrap of a song has a lot going on. The rhyming part might actually be the real song that she's quoting or singing. They bore him barefaced on the bier, and in his grave rained many a tear. She's picturing her father being carried to his grave on a bier, a kind of open carriage associated with funeral processions. He's barefaced, and this might mean that the coffin was open, or indeed that there wasn't even a coffin at all. This would further call into question the hastiness of the burial. Was he just thrown into the ground on a rainy day to cover up the scandal of the prince having stabbed him? And in his grave reigned many a tear. Were all these tears from Ophelia? Did anyone else weep for Polonius? Between the two rhyming lines, which themselves ask many questions, are interjections that certainly make Ophelia look mad. In this very funereal song about her dead father, she sings Hey Nonny Nonny and so on, which is a fairly standard call for joy. In Much Ado About Nothing, the popular song calls for ladies to sigh no more and convert all their songs of woe to this Hey Nonny Nonny. Even if you don't know this song, it still feels very incongruous. Ophelia cuts off after the line about the tears with, Fare you well, my dove. In the natural order of things, this sounds like the kind of thing Polonius might have called to Ophelia on her wedding day, as she left his house for her life with her new husband. The daughter calling her father her dove sounds deliberately unnatural. Again, given that the phrase is a bit of a jump from the rhythm, perhaps it's a jolt in Ophelia's attention, and maybe she's saying it to her image of Hamlet in her head as he departs and leaves her. Dove does rhyme with love, as so few words do, and it's another leap that a mad mind might make. <laughs> 
Poor Laertes is stuck watching this performance. The others have already had a look at Ophelia's troubled state, but it's new to him. He ruefully points out that Hadst thou thy wits, and did persuade revenge, it could not move thus. This pitiful sight is more moving than anything else. Even if Ophelia were still in her right mind, and was exhorting him to avenge their father's death, that would never move him as much as the sight of her like this. Ophelia continues singing, You must sing a down, a down. And you call him a down, a. Oh, how the wheel becomes it. It is the false steward that stole his master's daughter. This one sounds almost like she's giving instructions to the people around her, real or imaginary, as to how they should sing her song. You must sing a down, a down, she says, if you call him a down, a. Oh, how the wheel becomes it, she cries. Different editors have suggested that this is the wheel of fortune, or maybe the wheel of that carriage she was calling for, or more simply, it could also just be the wheel of this round song she's singing. The refrain or the chorus of a song that goes around and around like a wheel and that her audience should sing along. As for the false steward who stole his master's daughter, alas, I'm afraid I've got nothing. Perhaps it is just another distracted phrase in her head. She is a master's daughter, certainly, but who the false steward is, or could be, I don't know. And nobody has even stolen Ophelia except grief. As he watches, Laertes again comments, saying, This nothing's more than matter. This nothing, this broken state she's in, these random nothings that she's saying, communicate more than any rational matter. He's overwhelmed all over again seeing his sister like this, and sadly there is more to come. We'll save Ophelia's mad scene proper for the next episode. As ever, you can find various supporting materials and information on the website, thehamletpodcast.com. I hope you've had time to check out some of the extras that have been coming online in the last weeks and months, including several overdue bonus episodes and the book club, which continues apace. Of course, you can always catch up wherever you get your podcasts. I really appreciate your support, and I'll speak to you next time.